and Ziploc that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper The absolute truth, yeah, no joke Thank you, Mr. Jeezy TC, coming at you this uh, mid-April week. Uh, Randy is currently on vacation. The big guy's charging back up. Plus, I don't think he's coming back to reality uh, now that he's heard about the Hoboken dog food truck. A lot of you have sent that over this week and very, very concerning stuff. He's, he's, he's already reached out. He's appalled at the very thought of this thing up there. So we'll have to get his his reaction to that when he's back, uh, we'll have a trap draw chop sesh with him up, uh, early May. I think it's probably the next one. We've got the booth next week with Neil and Cody, and then got a new, new feature, new, uh, series of episodes that KPV and Neil and I have been working on that you'll hear more about. Yeah. And then we'll have NFL draft with Poosh and KVV and Randy and I, a recap up after the draft and then Randy and I'll be chopping it up after that. So this week, really excited to bring Charlie Warzel back onto the podcast. He is, he joined us, I think in February, uh, to talk about his piece for the Atlantic on tipping and it generated a lot of feedback. Uh, and I think the national conversation is really starting to buck its head on tipping in general. And I don't know, I think there's a lot more we can flesh out there. Talk to him some about air travel, um, just, you know, kind of how that's a reflection of, of society and the economy a little bit. And then, uh, we talked about AI, we talk about what's in our refrigerators. Uh, he's a prolific cook. So, uh, plenty to discuss with him. You can find Charlie online at C Warzel. And again, he's a staff writer for the Atlantic, uh, previously of the New York times. He writes, uh, the galaxy brain newsletter for the Atlantic as well. So Charlie's just a Switched on guy and on a similar wavelength to uh, Randy and I. So pleased to have him back on. Also, I, I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to Randy's Kings as well. They're absolutely crushing it right now. It's it's remarkable what they're doing to Neil's Warriors. So uh, hopefully that continues. Uh, seemingly Draymond is is cementing himself as a bad guy. But anyway, I want to thank also uh, our first sponsor up front, and that is Roback. You've heard me talk about it a lot. You've heard Randy talk about it a lot. Uh, really excited about the new stuff they have coming out. Really stuff. Really excited about their spring stuff as well. Um, they've got polos, hoodies, pullovers. I'm actually wearing one of the polos right now. Uh, great collars, just awesome. And it's starting to get a little bit hot in Florida. Uh, just fantastic fabric, material, uh, stitching, tailoring on them. Uh, not too baggy, not too tight, just right. And uh, yeah, and then actually I'm traveling tomorrow and I will be wearing my rowback uh kind of lightweight hoodie over to the uk tomorrow so stoked for that and um yeah you can visit rowback.com it's r-h-o-b-a-c-k.com for a generous 15 percent off your first order through the end of this week that's r-h-o-b-a-c-k.com 15 percent off all polos q-zips hoodies tees etc with code trap t-r-a-p uh, really, really thankful and grateful for to them for their continued partnership with the Trap Drop Podcast. And now on to Charlie. All right. Without further ado, Charlie, how are you? I am great. Uh, it is a pleasure to be here. 
and uh, trying my hand at some monitoring. I'm 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 thrilled. <laughs> well, first things first, I guess. What uh, okay, what has the feedback been since your tipping piece dropped, and and any big takeaways since last time we talked? It's everywhere. I mean, it is it is truly the the trap draw has has succeeded in sparking a national dialogue. Uh, even if people don't know that it's because <laughs> of the trap draw, they they are having that dialogue. It's wild. I mean, I now get tagged on Twitter in like it's mostly people just like bitching about it. So that's always lovely to just get that uh, to get that feedback. But I think that there is. And uh, you and I were talking about this offline a little, but I've been tagged in a number of either posts or had people like email me talking about the return of cash and cash tipping. And like, I think, I think that cash is going to become like the sort of the classy way to be like a 21st century, like navigating the different service economies, right? Because it's like, I, I have totally, since we spoke, I carry like cash now. And if I have to, like I'm always at the airport, I'll go to like either an ATM or something and then I'll break, break my twenties and get a whole bunch of singles. And just like, it's, it's taken all the guilt away from the tipping situation for me. Right. Just throw a couple of people, you know, singles here. I never have that situation where like the airport shuttle guy, like I don't have, yeah. I don't have a couple bucks for him and we have to do like the whole Venmo dance, which is just like degrading <laughs> for both of us. And it's just, it's, I think we've stumbled on a way to make cash not only useful, but kind of like classy. I like that. I think it's, um, you know, Randy's always been a big $2 bill guy. Ooh. He, he loves $2 bills. We've had some people reach out with that. Yeah, I'm a big like break break a 20 or break a 50 and just get a bunch of fives and a bunch of fives and a bunch of singles. And, you know, that's, that's the deal. There's nothing worse than, so here in Jack's, the, self-parking or like the the daily parking lot the daily surface parking there's a guy that rolls around in a golf cart and will pick you up and you know drive you to the terminal it's just like a you know it's like a nice add-on from the airport and i am always mortified when i don't have any cash to the point i'm like no no, no i don't need a ride i don't yeah, need a ride. Like, I'll I'll walk, walk. yeah yeah so you know or or i mean the, i would say the one downside of cash though is if you don't have the right denomination trying you know it's like oh my god all i have is a 20 <laughs> or worse yet like all i have is a 10 do i tip this guy a 10 do i not give him anything do i assume that he has change to break it you know to break a 10 and then one thing i want to clarify from our last talk because a few people reached out and were like oh my god i can't believe you don't tip housekeepers or whatever i tip like th those are like the people that i tip like without fail it's like i always leave a little little $5 bill or like basically for however long I've stayed in that hotel, I try to leave between like three to $5 per night for that. Or like for how many times that they've serviced the room kind of just cause I feel like they're probably the ones that work hardest in the hotel and get zero recognition for it and are kind of toiling behind the scenes, you know, cause it's funny that like all the, you know, I mean, doorman and valets and all that, like they're, they're providing, more than just a service they're also you know if you use them correctly they're they're kind of your eyes and ears and they'll tell you cool stuff and they'll you know what i mean like they'll 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 be a local guide of sorts same with concierge but i don't know i feel like the person that probably has the most direct impact on your stay is is your housekeeper absolutely i i think one thing i've thought about a lot and it it goes back to this 
the housekeeping thing. I, I get on like my soapbox about like they don't teach you like in school like actionable things, right? Like they should teach you how to like do your taxes or like yeah. you know very very just like standard logistical stuff about being an adult. And one of the things is like we used to have this sort of etiquette, right, of knowing like people would would pass that down. But like growing up, I never I never encountered that, and it wasn't until somebody. I don't know, probably like five years into my adult staying in hotels where someone was like, oh, you don't leave, you don't leave a tip. And I was, I was humiliated by it. It's like, of course you would, but like people, we have to like, we have to formalize some of this stuff so that, you know, people aren't getting like screwed for, for no good reason. Yeah. And I feel like with the, with the housekeepers, it's truly, it truly does feel like a tip too, where like, it's not just some expected part of, you know, it's not like, Hey, there's another 15% built into your tab another 22 percent built into your tab it's like no here's here's something i'm doing because i really appreciate the work that they're doing you know and and i think there's there's something to be said for that versus the the my the, the mentality that's creeped into or crept into everything that's just been like you know that's kind of the you know hey like i deserve this or like this is just part of part of the payment it's not really a tip you know yeah and and cash will Get rid of all of those strange, like you're at the airport, there's like a strange service charge for a thing yeah. and you feel like, oh, should I do it? Hand someone a dollar? Like they're keeping that dollar. Like they're not sure. giving that to, you know, whatever faceless corporation, you know, provides the coconut water. So for sure. So on that note, any, so you wrote an article about weather apps, which I think is another really, like, it's kind of funny because there's a, I've got this weather app on my phone, Windy Pro. We've talked about it. And I use it all the time here in Florida just because weather can be weird and like, you know, it's always windy. And if I go fishing or if I go play golf, I want to see kind of what the wind's doing, what the tides are doing. And, uh, you know, like way more, way more information than you need from a weather app for 95% of your different daily activities. But it's, it's kind of a novelty. It's kind of fun to have. And you can pull in all the different models and all that stuff. Um, and then I've got, I've got uh, weather bug for just, you know, general radar, right? The privacy invader. Yeah. Yeah. And now I know, now, you know, after having read your thing and just, you know, I always had kind of a inkling or a hint that, you know, they're probably mining the hell out of my location and my data and all of that. Oh yeah. And then having okay. read your, your piece in the Atlantic, I was just like, oh yeah, like it's probably far worse than I ever imagined. It's, it's awful out there. I mean, pretty much anything, any phone that accesses your location I've had to, for work, do numerous, like, we did some crazy investigative stuff. I used to work at the New York Times. Yeah. Like, the location data stuff's out of control. And yeah. there's almost no point, though. Like, this is this is the frustrating thing about, like, when you write about technology. The further you dig into this stuff, you like, there's this, it's basically just like this, this, you know, this roller coaster you, curve. You just get where hopeless. You, yeah, you, you yeah, get certain... super worried, super radicalized that, like, oh, this there's huge abuse of your privacy. And then... You just you have to say like, well, it's so ubiquitous. There's just no there's no chance, right? And so like, I wouldn't worry about it with the weather apps necessarily, but Weatherbug is like, I think they settled like a lawsuit. Maybe it it there's there's bad it's bad stuff. It's just it's it's pretty grim. It's like in House of Cards when uh, you know they've got that that app and all that, and they're and and then that's how I feel about like like the live stuff. I feel like if there's a live app. I'm going to download that onto my phone and the Saudis are going to have a front door right or a side door right into my phone. 
You, know? you need like an air-gapped computer, right? <laughs> like a, exactly. one of those Faraday cages, like enemy of the state, just to just to check your uh, the crushers, you know? Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of like it kind of gets back to the point though of like, all right, you're paying for the service somehow, right? Are you paying via your privacy or via your information and your location data? And then they're going to serve you ads against that, probably across multiple apps and across the internet. Or are you going to pay up front to not have that and, you know, kind of be clean, but know that you're probably getting tracked in other ways as well. Oh yeah. I mean, you, yeah, I I think that is, that's the number one way to navigate the internet is just to know what it is you're paying for. And also like, we just generally, this is, this is a bit of a tangent, but like people's app hygiene, just like, we just need to do just a little bit more on app hygiene. There are people like I have friends, like smart, accomplished human beings in regular life and you'll like look at their phone for some reason and just like see their home screen and there's just like like garbage like stuff like the equivalent of like walking into one of those electronic stores in Times square and just like buying some random like you know off rate gadget um we just got to be a little better just like stick stick with things that you feel like you know and can trust uh it's like going into somebody's refrigerator and 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 kind of you know like I feel like you can learn a lot by going into somebody's refrigerator in their house and seeing like all right you know what like clearly this person cooks you know but they're clean about it or they're they're very on top of their ingredients and their different condiments or hey this person doesn't cook and they do not throw out any of their takeout on time or hey this person just eats out all the time and doesn't doesn't even use the refrigerator except for anything for beer and bottled water you know do you have any like huge in that circumstance any huge red flags things that are just almost like social deal breakers that you see as far as as far as fridges yeah that's a good question maybe it just speaks to the you know the quality of the company that i that i try to keep but (laughs) or the fact that i'm just not in that many people's fridges i think i've been over to somebody's house and they haven't washed their lettuce before like they just took it straight out of the thing. And I'm like, you know what? Like you should probably wash lettuce, especially if you're going to serve it to me. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's that. Or fruit, like same thing. Like just like wash your fruit somehow. But so like when you see somebody that just has it in the packaging and then they're serving it to you, like instead of, you know, like, like I tend to buy it, wash everything and then put it in, you know, a little bin or something in the fridge. You know, outdated condiments are always a, a, a struggle. You know, I feel like some of those are just kind of people may, you know, some of those companies may be erring on the safe side of like, I, I don't think that certain hot sauces are going to expire in any, in any sort of given time. Like those are going to last through the apocalypse, you know? So how about you? I, uh, it's very specific, but if you have like off-brand ketchup, like Heinz is just out there, right? It's just yeah. it's in every fridge. Like there's just something interesting going on with a person who's buying a non Heinz brand. Like it's it's almost like hard, right? And like Hunts is Hunts is uh, I I can't stand for it. But then they're all like the weird ones, like Doctor Kensington's or something like that. Very like whimsical off brand ketchups. But I just feel like I'm I'm asking questions. If you're, if you don't have Heinz in there, just given the ubiquity of the product. I think, I think Heinz is probably, yeah, Heinz that. And then I think mustard's probably up there too. Like, you know, um, there's different mustards that are kind of acceptable, you know, more so than just like 
you know, if, if you're going to Dijon, you've got Grey Poupon or you've got like Duke, yeah. like Duke's mayonnaise. Like you can learn, you know, I think some people like Hellman's. I personally like Duke's. Mm. Um, trying to think. You can tell by the, by the type of pickles someone buys as oh, well. That's interesting. If they're, if they're kind of, you know, adventurous or if they're just, Hey, I'm going to play it safe and just get the bread and butter, you know, Vlasic ones. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, that pickles, pickles is a good, is a good judge. I can go either way on, on mayonnaise. I have a lot of room for growth there, but there's something about, I'm like a ketchup authoritarian, you know, okay. it's like, it's gotta be, it's gotta be this way. So what about soy sauce? Are you a Kikaman guy? I, I am. There is a great, um, like Asian market where you can get all kinds of stuff. And the, and like, there's been a big, I don't know if you've experienced this in your neck of the woods, but a huge sriracha shortage, like the classic yeah. style. We were uh, actually, we were tracking that for a while, a couple of years ago on the trap draw. Yeah. There was some sort of fire or something down, down uh, in Southern California. It's in like, it's the, come the, home yeah, to roost. you Empire. can't find it really now. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we've, I've been going to this, this um, like Asian grocery store and they have, we cook a lot and we cook a lot of like Asian flavored inspired dishes. So, uh, we get the big Kikovans like jugs, like that are sort of almost like uh, industrial restaurant. And like then, stuff. and then from there, do you, do you put them into the smaller receptacle? Or? We, we kind of have two, right? You have okay. the one that you keep for like table use or whatever. Yeah. And then you, we have like the cooking one and the cooking one just kind of like sits on its, on its own thing. But it's, uh, it's yeah. We have, we a lot of that go through a lot of that. As someone who cooks often, do you have a pre-diced garlic in there for occasions when you know what? Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna press f- like five you know cloves of garlic, or or are you always fresh all the time? I try to maintain fresh, but I think in in something that has to sort of either simmer for a while, kind of like where you're kind of cooking it down, or you're really reducing it. I, we have sort of like the, the cubes you can put in yeah. the, in the freezer and take out and do yeah. that. But if it's, if it's like a, like a kind of like a stir fry style thing, like you, I feel like you got to go fresh with that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's definitely the nature of like, I think sometimes it's, it's about how much time I have too. where yeah. like, you know, if I need really, really small pieces and I know that my knife skills just aren't going to be on tonight, then I'll go with the little jarred ones. Just because it's saving like 10 minutes on the front end. Like a Trader Joe's peeled, like part of me can't abide by it all the time, but sometimes I'll break down if I'm there. And like the peeled like tubs of garlic, like that that will guarantee that I'm going fresh all the time because yeah. like the I, peeling garlic is just, it's just one of the the world's like great indignities, right? It's, it's so, just, it's so like tedious. It's everywhere. Oh yeah. God, it's awful. It's yeah. awful. Yeah, I, first of all, I did not expect this to to turn into a food talk, but it's kind of delightful. I think something else that you can tell, like when somebody, I judge people based on the, the like the, the type of cheese they have. Where like I feel like if you don't have good cheese, kind of says something about your you know I or or you're just not a cheese person, which is fine. But I feel like you know if somebody has a bunch of just regular ass Sargento or you know just something that's. Versus like, you know, we've got our shredded cheeses and our, our, our cracker barrel, you know, sliced cuts. Yeah. The block stuff. But, but, you know, I always have some nice 
goat cheese on hand or some nice feta on hand or some ricotta just to, you know, or some, some good Parmesan in, so I could do a cheese board. Cause like I'm a big charcuterie and cheese guy and jams okay. and all that stuff. So is that like a thing you will make for yourself or someone in your family, like on a random weekday, like midday, you'll just like, you'll put together a, a board or is this like, I like uh. to have it around it's my go-to if, if someone stops by or kind of all the above. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, if, if we're having people over for dinner, I always throw it out prior so that they have something to nibble on while while I'm cooking. I tend to eat way too much cheese and cured meat on weekdays just by myself. (laughs) You know, I was standing at the fridge last night. Like I worked late last night. I was standing at the fridge at like 11 PM and you know, just sitting there eating, eating, uh, you know, goat cheese and, and Varzi, uh, salami, you know, but yeah, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, and like, I like to drink wine and it tends to bring out good flavors in the wine. Like it tends to draw things out of the wine too. I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of a board. We don't keep a lot of cheeses in the house unless we're doing something like that. But partly because I have, it's like, there's no self-control. I'm big, like, only buy the things that you feel comfortable just like sh- shame snacking on at any given moment because it's just going to happen, you know? So. For me, that is uh, Cape Cod potato chips, like the like the kettle chips. I love Snyder's of Hanover, the nibblers and just the hard, just the big hard pretzels. And then those Parmesan crisps that you can get at like uh, Whole Foods or mm-hmm. like they sell them as whiffs now too, but those are, those are like I can I I cannot control myself from eating an entire box of those in one sitting. There's only one food that I truly am like that with, and I I, I bring it up annoyingly in like most of, most conversations I have with people who don't live in the like the Pacific Northwest. But it's um, this brand of chips called Tim's Cascade. Okay, they make a jalapeno chip, and I, I'm pretty sure you can like only get it like sort of west of the Mississippi for sure, but but even even further out that way. There's just this little quadrant of America. They make this jalapeno chip that is like it's it transcends what a chip ought to be. Like it is wow. like it's it's it is it's like a it's a complex flavor that's just it it doesn't deserve to be on a potato chip and yet it is. It's I will I will destroy those. Like I can eat a family size bag by myself. Is it like baked Andrew. into the chip or is it like a coating that the, there, like a residue that's left on your fingers. There's definitely residue, okay. but it is it is it is phenomenal. I've never met a person where I didn't give it to them, where they didn't say after, that's like a top five potato chip of their life. Hey, I want to take a second to thank our sponsor, Whoop. This episode is brought to you by Whoop, the official fitness wearable of the PGA Tour. Uh, as you guys know, Whoop is a wearable health and fitness coach that specializes in training and improving your recovery, sleep, and activity. Uh, I am actually really excited to see what my whoop readings are over the next two to three weeks. I've got a couple of red eye flights coming up and uh, I also have my nasal surgery coming up. So I'm going to try to do some sort of a a case study on how much better my sleep is before and after my nasal surgery. I've got that coming up on May, second week in May. So more to come there. I think that'll be a really, really interesting uh, kind of before and after. Hopefully it's it's night and day because I'm not sleeping well and I have not slept well in 10 to 15 years. So 
Um, if you want to get involved with Whoop, go to whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com. Use code NLU to save 10% off your order. And we've been doing stuff with Whoop for probably three or four years now. And um, yeah, it's just become a part of my everyday routine and lifestyle. And it's just kind of an additive thing that, you know, when I feel good, it's kind of a confirmation of why. And when I feel really shitty, it's helps me also identify why. So thank you to them for their sponsorship and appreciate you guys supporting them. Living where you do, I feel like you guys have great cheese. You have great beer out there. You have great wine. Great wine. You You have great seafood. Um, like, are you just always eating fresh stuff? Like, like, like what's your, are you going to a local farmer's market? Are you, what's your, what's your go-to as far as, you know, procuring your, your ingredients? I live like right near, um, like halfway between Seattle and Vancouver, uh, yeah. Canada. And I live on this, uh, on an Island actually that has yeah. like a little, like a ferry that you go to. And so there are, like in the summer, there's this process. It's this like indigenous process of fishing called reef net fishing. And essentially yeah. it's like all these, like these boats, but they're not, they don't really move. And they just basically position nets and catch schools of salmon. And they catch them in this way that you, the salmon don't know they've been caught. And then you like slowly kind of lift them out and there's no, they don't release any cortisol. And it's like the freshest possible thing. They catch those like on like four minutes away from my house. So we know like this guy who will call and be like, Hey, we have salmon coming in. And I'll like literally watch them bring like a full salmon up mm-hmm. with their arms, drop it in the cooler. And we'll, like, this and is in yours. The summer, yeah. In the summer we'll eat that. And we will eat that like immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's so fresh that it's actually like, it's not even like pink or orange. It's like, it it's, looks like, it looks like a blood orange almost. Okay. And it's so fresh. So like there are certain things like that that are just like, you know, like not safe for work qualities of freshness and like glorious yeah. ingredients. Living on the island, do you have to stock up? You know, like like how what's the process for you to yeah. get off the island? Is there a store on the like a kind of a general store on the island? But then if you're gonna kind of really go to the grocery, you have to go off the island, or how does that work? Yeah, there's a general store and there's a um and there's like a mom and pop restaurant like very casual very there was and you being a a person in the know about restaurants and stuff you've probably you'd probably heard of it uh it's called the willows is this the one you told me about that that they got they got popped for yeah there's like a huge expose in the new york times for like (laughs) um like sexual harassment and uh just terrible like kitchen practices but also some of their their whole thing was that everything on the island was was for, or everything on the, in the restaurant was like raised on the island. It was yeah. all local ingredients, and they got busted with Costco chickens, which is <laughs> just a tough beat. Hey, uh, at least they were keeping it in the Pacific Northwest with Costco. That's right. right? That's right. Kirkland. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so we used to have that, which you know it's like five hundred dollars a person. You're not going there very frequently. Uh, but yeah, we do like the we do big batch trips. Like that's just how we do our groceries. I go off all the time, so it's not it's not like, you know, it's not a huge journey, but we will do like that's why we cook a lot is that you just naturally plan a lot of your stuff. Yeah. And I think it's great. Like I used to live in New York City. I've lived in a lot of big cities. 
and it's it's really lovely to like meal plan out in that way and go get all the stuff and then you just gotta like be creative with it yeah yeah and kind of you know be very uh kind of cunning with it like you know figure out how to how to use some scraps to get that extra meal out of it or to you know kind of combine some stuff that was left over from the last three or four days and you know what how am i gonna make these ingredients work together it yeah i mean that's the that's the sort of um romantic way of of thinking about it the other way is just like i go to like <laughs> top ramen like a fair amount of time yeah. i just look in the fridge i'm like this is a nightmare i can't make this just, work yeah. yeah and you just make some you know like yeah yeah so my biggest go-to lately i I can't get enough of it is the rayo's bolognese sauce is that good oh my god dude it's like crack it's so really? good yeah it's it's crazy uh, I, I stay away a lot of times from like when a chain or like or when like a really reputable normally I do puts too. out a puts out like their own commercial yeah, thing. Normally I do too. And uh, you know, like I, I I've eaten there in New York before. It's good. I think it's probably a little bit overhyped, but man, like they have done an excellent job. Them and then um the Tate's cookies. Those yeah. are just I, I can't get enough of those either. Those are kind of the two like big chain things the momofuku uh like tangy noodles or wavy noodles it's it's basically like ramen but they just yeah. got this you know nice little soy broth thing with it that that's great too but yeah i've been beating up the rayo's bolognese it's unbelievable i gotta try that now i i've been huge on the um i don't know there's all kinds but like like those chili crisp varieties now yeah i just yeah. i i i throw it on 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 things that has no business being on, man. It's so uh, the I think it's the Momofuku one. I use that one, and then there's one at Trader Joe's that I'll buy, but it doesn't last as long. Kind of like gets weird and congeals up, and I don't know. So it, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> anyway, we got plenty, plenty more to talk about. Next thing I want to talk about was just airport stuff because I feel like this is kind of the similar to what we were talking about as far as you know, cultural norms and societal stuff getting passed down and, you know, kind of having some standards in, in the world. I feel like everything is just degrading to a point where nothing matters anymore. Everybody's shitty to everybody. There's just no good in the world. And I, you don't see that anywhere more clearly than while flying now. It's crazy. First of all, I'm honored to talk about airports uh, with you. Uh, I feel it's like watching the master at work here. Um, so I would, I would agree. I haven't had a ton of terrible recent airports like, uh, experiences or, you know, like I haven't had the people freaking out on flights. It's one of those things that hasn't happened to me, but it's very, very alarming, like pretty much COVID on of people just, losing their minds and i feel like personally it was this thing where i thought like okay everyone's super pent up very weird like covid created a situation where like lots of people just fundamentally distrusted people like around them um like you know sort of made people other people seem like the enemy like quite literally their bodies and i thought it would go away and it just it seems like I thought there would be like a, you know, everyone's back in the world release valve and it has just kind of ease back into the way things were before. Yeah. It's wild. 
And I also think that there's a lot of strange behaviors in terms of like the logistics of movement of people that don't make any sense to me anymore. Like I, I feel like all the sky clubs, right. Have rolled back their Like they're not letting people in as much anymore. And every Delta sky club I go into is it's like going to a club in Miami <laughs> at like two in the morning. Like it's like, yeah. it's like, like a John Wick scene where you're just like fighting to get like a, you know, glass of Pinot Grigio or something. It's, it's out of control. And I don't understand like our, our, are more people buying the credit cards? Like, what, it, what are more people just traveling? What is what is going on with the, the amount of people in these sky clubs? And you would have thought that during during the pandemic, people like when they're not traveling would have dialed back on their cards and canceled some of these cards, and you know because they're not using that benefit of the sky club. But yeah, I think a part of it is the the cards are probably underpriced for you know what people are using them for volume wise. I think people just have extra cash. You know, I think people have been pent up. Like they're kind of just, you know, everybody's like, hey man, like I'm going to travel and I'm going to do it right when I travel, you know, when I take this trip or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's like from everything from dropping someone off at the airport or picking them up and the way that like, we just need like a national standard or an international standard for like picking and dropping off passengers at the airport. It's, it's crazy. Like the, the, like I was in Atlanta a couple weeks ago and it took like 20 minutes just to get up to the front for my dad to just drop me off, much less to, you know, like get all my stuff out of the car and all that. Just because people were like, it's just this outrageous, nobody's yielding, nobody's letting anybody in and it just gridlocks. And there's been an influx of people lately who are going through the TSA line the uh, TSA pre-check line who don't have TSA pre-check and they don't realize it until like they just, there's straight up not reading and they're not listening. That's, that's maddening. The new machines that they have, those like big long oh. cylindrical ones take fucking forever. With the, with like the sorters where you have yes. to put it in the thing. They're and so over-engineered. It. Yeah. It's crazy. And I, like, I'm not sure if they just have the, the, you know, tolerances turned up to a million on them because you know, because they're, they're doing something, but it's like, that's maddening. Um, people who don't get over on the, on the moving sidewalk, if you don't get over to the right on the moving sidewalk, like that's awful. We've talked about gate lice before, you know, the people that just hang out, even though they're in like group five, they're just hanging out, not even remotely close. They're, they're not even within 25 minutes of being able to board the aircraft. I've seen a lot of people lately that are abusing the people who need extra time to get down the jetway portion oh, of the boarding process, which like, it's just so scummy, right? Just not, like not letting active military through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sitting there. Oh, I, oh man, I should amend the not having, having a crazy experience because I actually had a woman yell at me in Atlanta on the way back from the masters a couple weeks ago because I was in like, I don't know, sky or comfort or one of those. And I was late, like the air train stopped and I had to like drop something off and I was late and there's a woman in group two. And I like snuck through on the, like, the priority lane as you should, ahead. cause that's why they have the lanes. And, so that if somebody, sc- she screamed at me telling me if I wanted to cut her, I should have gotten there when my group, boarded and it was just like 
it's just like, like an insane way to look at it. That has priority over the other groups even once they're boarding. That's the whole fucking point. And I'm going to be honest, I don't feel great about just like, you know, sliding through the line on that, even though, you know, like I wish I, I could have been there. You're going to acknowledge, I though, you're going to, you know, kind of look at people and, and say, hey, like I've clearly been in a hurry or I had a tight connection or whatever. When I do that, too, like I don't try to like go to the very front or like upstream people who are clearly like even past the ropes, like they're just, you know, first or second in line to scan their boarding card. It's like, no, I'm going to wait for them and then kind of you know, merge in accordingly. Right. Yeah. It, I, it's, it just, it, it highlighted to me this, like, I mean, the gate life thing is. Well, all right. what did you say to the that? lady? what did you say to the lady? I not like truly nothing. I just, <laughs> I just kept walking. I, I was so, I was like visibly sweating too. Like I was, I was moving. Cause it's like, you know, I'm going Atlanta to Seattle. Yeah. Um, if I miss that, like I'm basically, you know, I'm in Atlanta for like the next you know, nine hours. And I just like not looking for that. I try, I, I really do because of hearing all these stories of people just kind of going nuts. Like I try to keep my head on a swivel with that stuff and just like interact less with people who are like clearly unhinged. Yeah. And, and try to be nice to other people along the way, take a deep breath. Like, let, like it's like, I'm always yeah. trying to like let people like, Hey man, if like, if a mom is traveling with two kids or, if there's somebody in a, like, I, I'm always like very patient and very like try to not be in a hurry and all that. But, but yeah, like there's some people that are just going to be miserable regardless of how you interact with them. I totally agree. But I'm curious, like, what do you think it is about this, this gate thing? Is it like the only justification I can think for it is people who are anxious about carry on space. Yeah. And because there is nothing worse than like having yours in the back of the plane and realizing you have to wait for everyone to get off to like go get it or something or vice versa, you know? Yeah, which like on these Delta flights out of Jack's, part of the reason I don't know if I does this because like even if you're like comfort plus, you're up in like the first row of coach. You turn left to go to first class and to go to like yeah. the economy comfort or and then there's like two or three more rows of economy comfort right there. And you get all the legroom in the world uh, on the 757, but there's no you know, under seat storage, everything has to go up in the bin, yes. but then the bin, the first two or three bins, the flight attendants put their stuff up there. So you have, so you're totally SOL and then you got to wait for everybody to get off the plane and then all that. And then, you know, you, you like in, going to Atlanta, you don't want to gate check anything because you don't want to wait and then, you know, have to wait for your connection or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I do think a lot of it is just, you know, is totally, you know, brought on by the carry on stuff. Like, I think everybody just has this general sense of anxiety when they get to the airport from the moment they get there of like, you're going to get screwed over there. The airlines are, it's been a race to the bottom and it's like, everybody is just like, there's going to be a bad surprise waiting for you at some point along the conveyor belt. And you just don't know what point it's going to be. So everybody's just on edge the entire time. That's, that's, that's a, it's a very good point. I just like, I, I have the opposite mindset when I travel, which is just that, I mean, there are, there are times when it's very important to me that I get someplace on time or yeah. have my things when I get there. And that like your, your margin for error is, is, you know, smaller than when you're yeah. just like visiting family and it's like, okay, well I have a change of clothes there or something. But I, I, I always just adopt the mentality of, and I was traveling like in 2019, I was traveling almost 40 weeks a year mm -hmm. for work and it was 
like you know you really kind of get it down to a science and everything but it i feel like i just adopt the mindset of like i'm either i'm either getting there at you know at the at the reasonable somewhere in the reasonable window of where it's going to be or it's going to be a nightmare and either way i have no control over it exactly I, i just like i don't i just don't understand the adjective with it but i do think i think that tsa you've kind of described like logistically the recipe for the the gate lice problem right which is that like if you've been through these different steps of like drop off is an absolute mess parking like you're preconditioned to you know feeling like you're in a herd and yeah you can't really break out of the herd you just go to like the the first available space for you to wait that's next thing closest to your destination you know and it's like we're like we're all going to the same place and we're all going to get there at the exact same time but people feel the need to upstream it and do all that you know and and i think something else that factors in too which i'm shocked what you know what i'm not shocked because we can't do anything in this country from an infrastructure perspective anymore but like not boarding from both sides of the plane is Mm. such a massive whiff like Anytime you do that in Europe, it's like, oh yeah, like this makes complete sense. And it's probably saving the airlines tens of millions of dollars, if not hundreds of million dollars a year, because they can they can use that airplane probably once more a day because the boarding process is 40% shorter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I I did wanna I did wanna make one positive thing that I've seen, which is that I had I had an, an instance on that flight back from Atlanta where uh, someone, a passenger two rows ahead of me, was essentially having, I think, like a small stroke. And I've had a number of these times where people have had medical emergencies. And it's like, it's obviously like a slightly tense sort of disorienting experience when it's happening around you. But it is like a marvel to see the flight attendants like snap into it. it. You see all the stuff about, you know, like they're not getting paid waiting at the gate. They're, you know, getting harassed during COVID and all this like terrible stuff. And they have to do become mask police and all this garbage that's just shitty for them. When shit goes down on a plane and you're up in the air, the flight attendants are just like, it's like Liam Neeson taken yeah. stuff. You know, it's just like particular set of skills and they deploy so quickly. Yeah. It was, it was super rad. Um, also, is there, I don't think there's anything cooler than getting the page like is there a doctor on the airplane and like like i almost feel like it's worth going to med school just to be able to like stand up and like neutralize the situation and be like yes i can i I can serve take a little bit of time to thank our last sponsor and that is precision pro it's april people are getting back out on the golf course hopefully weather is warming up wherever you are whether you're a scratch player or new to the game there's an easy way to lower your scores adding a range finder to your pre-shot routine will change your game forever uh, our longtime partner, Precision Pro Golf, has created a rangefinder unlike any other. NLU has been using the NX10 for almost a year. This is easily the best rangefinder we have ever used. Uh, it's I'm I love it. It locks on so quick. The Precision Pro NX10 has the essentials like a magnetic cart mount, slope adjusted distances, an external slope switch, which is super clutch, making sure that you know you're playing the game the right way. If you're playing in a competition, it's easy to kind of keep that distinct. Uh, it's got HD optics. You also get free battery replacements, a three-year warranty, and a 30% off upgrade program. Head to precisionprogolf.com slash NLU. See our favorite part, the customization. Choose one of our NLU designs or get them 
all with the NX10. You can easily switch the look and feel of your rangefinder, and you've got, uh, I think they've got some state flags on there. They're starting to really get versatile and uh, varied with all the styles and designs they've got on there. So again, that's precisionprogolf.com slash NLU, and you can use code no laying up to get $20, $20 off your NX10. That's code no laying up, no spaces there. One word. Thank them for their partnership. You know what? I was talking to uh, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who is a vet, and I was asking him. I'm like, "All right, if if somebody says, is there a doctor on board? Would you raise your hand, <laughs> <laughs> or would you kind of assess, be patient, and assess the situation of like, all right, let's see if anybody else gets up. If nobody else gets up or raises their hand, you say, "Hey, you know what? I'm a vet. It's close enough." <laughs> Like I, th- I thought that was a really interesting kind of yeah, same like thing with a dentist. Curb right? episode. Yeah, right? perfect curb episode. Yeah, no, I think that I think the something else like with flight attendants, I always feel bad for them when you're on like a super short flight. Like it would be like if you were flying from like Seattle to Vancouver or Seattle yeah. to Portland, even. I'm like, there's some flights that like it's so pointless to have beverage service. Like there, yes. there does not need to be beverage service between like Augusta and Atlanta. If you're flying that, it's like a 25 minute flight and like, right. they're going to get up, do bottled water, coffee or tea or whatever. And it's like, no, like we don't need to do that. Like just, you know what, like add services to longer flights that warrant it, but take that service away from a shorter flight, you know? 100%. I, I, I used to live in, in Montana and there were a lot of those like just commuter short flights between little towns that, you know, Montana is just absolutely enormous. Uh, and so it takes forever to drive yeah. and they didn't, they wouldn't, they would just flat out refuse to do it. And I always just thought that was, that was smart or like the, uh, yeah. the Missoula to salt Lake is like, I don't know, like 50 minutes, I think. And a lot of times they just be like, ah, there's some chop, you know, over the mountains. We're just going to sit down. Like, yeah. you know, it's an early flight, like go to sleep, right. Read a book. Just totally. Bit. And I because think that's it's like, totally yeah, because then you don't have to go back through the cabin to get trash twice right. and you know do all that stuff. The other thing that that bugs me is we talked about this too is the people that crowd. I mean, it's the same people that are crowding the boarding line that are crowding the the, the baggage carousel. Like that's that's so bad. I mean, like the people like you can't get like your bag is coming around on the carousel and you can't get to it because there's people standing right next to the carousel not moving and it's like that's that's the only time that i get i get very flustered like i'm pretty calm i try to be one of those people that i float through invisibly through the airport you know i try to be nice to everybody i try to like you know just just be a total lubricant throughout everything but man like at the very end when somebody when i physically cannot get to my bag because somebody is just standing there oblivious to the world like that pisses me off and it's because you've been through the meat grinder we just we just yeah. described, right? Like if you if you took a if you took a like I most of my flying is cross country and sort of a lot of times just like like truly diagonally across the country. And it is such like if you've got to drive to get to the thing, it's like you're on hour 10, hour 11, mm-hmm. right? And you're still flying domestically. And yeah. it's like I try to do the same thing, be like the the human lubricant of this of the social situation. And then at the end, you're just ground down, right? Like I'm usually starting to like feel sick somehow too. And it's just like, I probably eating shitty food or, you know, 
like had a bad glass of wine with a bunch of sugar in it or had a bad beer with like, you know, they haven't cleaned out their draft lines in, in six weeks. It's, it's like, you know, it's like all these ingredients that are just adding up to a poor experience. I'm just, I'm just wondering what the fix is, right? Like I, like, is there some kind of, I don't know, do we need some kind of like purge like day of airline travel, just like amnesty. You can be like, you can be the biggest asshole you want to be. You could just treat everyone like garbage. I don't know. Like we just, we need a way. We got to fix this, right? We just got to let some of the tension out in some capacity. what did you think about? So just like honing in on a couple specific examples from this week. Sure. Did you see the video of the guy on the Southwest flight to Orlando? The baby was crying. Did you see this? Yes. <laughs> and the guy's like, you know, he's yelling and he's cussing up the storm. And, you know, they're like, stop yelling, sir. Tell that fucking baby to stop yelling. <laughs> Did that baby pay extra to yell? Like, I'm not okay. We're in a we're in a fucking tin can and that baby's screaming. I had my headphones on. I can still hear it. And like that's, you know, as a parent, like that's your worst nightmare, right? Oh, like, yeah. It's. It's it's, it's like forty percent of the reason I don't have kids. Yeah, it's truly like like there's other reasons, but that's it's it's up there. It's on the list. It's like I don't I don't know that I can I can personally travel with yeah. them and like keep them in check. And yeah, the guy's just losing his mind, and the other people are filming it. And oh man, I that was that was a good one. I um, but the one that really that that really stuck out to me this week was the it was the MLB pitcher who his wife yeah was flying on United and kids were eating a bunch of popcorn and they made a mess. I guess according to him, the flight attendant came through and said, Hey, the captain asked me to have you clean this up. Uh, you've made a mess here. Here's a trash bag. And like, she's, she's pregnant. She's, you know, 10 weeks pregnant or 15 weeks pregnant or whatever. And it's like, all right, like here's the, you know, like, and it kind of split where, you know, he was like, shame on United you know, you need to get this flight attendant under control. You need to punish her. Then it felt like 75, 80% of the people in the replies were like, no, shame on your wife for making everybody else clean up after you and your kids, which to a certain extent, like, I guess when I'm traveling with kids, like I, I try to be like, yeah, like I try to clean up after the kids. I try to, you know, or have them clean up after themselves. I try to you know, I'll buy somebody a beer if our kid is screaming on the plane or like, I, you know, like, you know, give people, you know, a Starbucks gift card or something like, like we've done that before. If there's, you know, like when we had to travel with our, at the time, one and a half year old. Did you purchase Starbucks gift cards in advance for that? Or do you, do you, my wife did. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And had like a little, like, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm noisy. Like, you know, cause it would be something where like we had to go to a family wedding and yeah, the kids are coming and all that. Like, I think we only flew with Gustav twice before he was like two, two and a half. And now he's fine. You know, we just give him a, like, we just give him his iPad or his, his little games and, and and he's good. But like, but to a certain extent, I do feel like there's so many people out there with kids who think it's everybody else's problem or don't, they, they don't have any sort of, like, they're just oblivious to how their kids are acting or the mess that they're creating that somebody else has to clean up on the back end. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about how to like weigh in on this as a person who doesn't have kids. I mean, I will say if I've been through the meat grinder of that entire whole difficult travel experience and especially like the end of a 
difficult trip or a long trip or something and you just you sort of don't have the reserves like a well a strategically placed like crying baby like can sort of just like break you in a way but i also feel like i mean like what is that guy who's screaming like tell the baby to <laughs> shut up right? like i mean that like, one that one was patently outrageous and more it, just funny than anything like i want to know is like did that is that guy ever like looking himself in the mirror like seeing that video go viral and just being like like man that's that's the worst possible version yeah of who I can be on a given day. I, probably not. But, but the other one is, is like a truly, I think we all just like, I, this is, I, this is a little kumbaya for even my own taste, but it's just like, we all got to like, we're in this. I look at people when we get in the, the plane, this is probably too morbid, but I'm always just like, all right, let's play. Like this plane goes down. Like I can't alienate anyone. Right. Like we could just like, we're in a situation here. This is a, this is a naturally kind of a stressful or this is a stressful, unnatural situation that we're in. And like, I don't want to alienate myself from anyone in this. Like we're, a, we're a team. We're trying to yeah. get to this destination together. The right? more we work together, the easy, the, the uh, easier this journey is going to be regardless I, of how, of like what happens. Yeah. I truly feel that way. Right. And it's just like, you never know. Like if you're, if you, if you act like an asshole to somebody like you might need something later, right? Like the whole idea, like, I don't know, maybe I'm going to have the medical emergency up there, right? Like yeah. I don't want to alienate myself for the flight attendant. Cause I'm like, no, you pick that up. You know, it's like, yeah. you just, I, I just feel like you gotta, you gotta do that thing. I, I, I sent you an article about putting, uh, putting all children and babies in first class, yeah. like reserving that. I mean, I, we could think outside the box with some of this stuff, right? Like, could we have family only sections? Like, is that, is that feasible? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's the solution. I was thinking, I was seeing like Air New Zealand came out with, they're doing a bunk bed concept. They've already got these like sky couches that they're doing where mm -hmm. you can basically buy multiple seats and you, know, you don't have to spend as much as a business class seat, but you can basically lay kids down on this and kind of create a play area for them. That's cool. I, I mean, I think there's, cause like, if you think about it, the, layout of airplanes hasn't changed demonstrably no. other than the advent of lay flat seats and kind of the pods or like the, you know, especially like the Delta 360 ones, there's really not a whole lot of like advancements in the way that an aircraft is laid out. Now, like I'm sure everybody's thinking of it in the context of like, they're just going to make it shittier and shittier. Like they're going to cram more people in, or I've seen some of the schematics for like the standing room where like, you don't get a seat. That's, <laughs> you're just like wild. strapped in, like you're at Six Flags on a roller coaster, which you, that's a crazy thought. But that's that's tough. That's like real human cattle situation. Totally. Like that makes me feel like I'm like yeah. I don't know. I feel very uncomfortable about that. But that's also where where I get to of like, I feel like there needs to be more, and I it, maybe it's getting this way. I think Delta's tried to like go more upmarket, even with their economy offerings of like, hey, let's let's guarantee a great experience or, or at least try to, you know, work towards that versus like, Hey, like, you know what? Like we're not the cheapest. We're not going to compete completely on price where, you know, American and spirit and some of the other ones, it's like, yeah, like you're, you know what? Like, like play stupid games, win stupid prizes. <laughs> like, you know, like you book with us, like, you know, you know what you're getting. It's going to be a total grab bag. Like you're going to get the, the good, the bad and the ugly, you know? 
uh, you're playing with fire where, you know, I, I feel like there's, there's that, like, that's one way to kind of solve all this is, is like, you know, have like a, like people can vote with their wallets, but be like, you know, it takes someone like a Delta to say, Hey, you know what? Like we are going to try, we're going to try to create a, a decent experience. Now it's going to cost a little bit more. Are people willing to pay that? You know? Yeah. And, and I guess the, the question is like, can you differentiate it enough and be, can be consistent enough with it to where, I would love a like a spirit type to just lean like have even further into the chaos. <laughs> that's just like you can bring your dogs, you can bring like live live animals. It doesn't have to be a service animal. Like you can do like anything goes on this airline. Like you might not even get a seat. Like it's not. It's probably not even incredibly safe. But like anything goes. Like if you if you're worried, like you don't be like it, it's fine i would i would love i'd love for there to be even more of a like of an up market option like a true innovator in the space that you it's like jsx is kind of doing that right now right with you know some of those like kind of point to point um from private mm. air terminals and, mm. and that sort of thing and yeah it's like it's not cheap but it's not it's also not as expensive as, as you would think you know it's still like scheduled service yeah. you know between the like southwest had a like a whole debacle again this week, you know, American Bad. seems to be leaning into just being like the domestic mainline discount carrier. United kind of seems to be stuck in the middle. They have a great international network and do a lot of like transcon stuff, but you know, some of their hubs stink and they have, you know, some old aircraft and some surly legacy employees, I think, you know, and then Delta seems to be the one trying to kind of, you know, and like JetBlue seemed to do that for a while too. And now they're, they kind of made some strategic blunders, I think back in the, you know, early mid two thousands and kind of messed that up. Where does Alaska fit on your threat matrix there? Like, I've never flown Alaska before. It's a total, really? total blind spot for me. Yeah. We've just never like, I, you know, being from Atlanta, they didn't start flying into Atlanta until, you know, until I was probably gone from Atlanta or, or soon to be gone. And then like, they don't fly to Jack's. Uh, I've just never had a reason. And like, if I'm coming from the Southeast uh, out to Seattle or Portland, I'm flying Delta. Just for this podcast. I feel like you got to, you got to go know. on an exploratory mission here. It's, it's a real, it's a weird airline. Cause I, I didn't really come out West till 2017. And like, I think it was, it was frontier before it was Alaska. I think, uh, as far as just could be, the branding, could be no, no, they're still, they're still, no, they're still totally distinct. Alaska. Okay, never mind. Then, then it's not that it's something, or I don't know. There was it had a different name before it fully merged. Okay, but it's like it's a weird, um, it's a weird situation on there. Like old planes, it just like it, it kind of doesn't, it doesn't really have an identity. Like they, they serve you free like wine and beer, like craft sort of like Pacific Northwest style. Yeah, like alcohol and that's like kind of a big selling point but it's it's really i'd very much want to get your thoughts on this as as an an airline connoisseur because it's it doesn't it doesn't really fit with anything else out there and yet it's like it's a huge lifeline for people in the northwest like it sounds like a weird so i think they bought virgin america that was their big acquisition okay but otherwise i think it's just been all organic growth it seems like a weird like a very very on brand pacific northwest variant of southwest 
Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good comp. I just always I come away feeling like I've had a, sort of a subpar experience, but it would but be you can't like put your dick, finger on why dickish of me <laughs> to complain about it, right? Because it's not that like yeah, I can't I can't really tell why, but I always just kind of leave like scratching my head on it. But like I have an Alaska credit card, you know, there's just a lot of stuff. Like if I want to yeah. fly from Bellingham to like San Francisco or something like that, like I can make that hop pretty quickly. It's super convenient. Um, a lot you ever of fly out of that other, other, uh, what's the other Seattle airport pain? Uh, there's Everett or Everett. Which is, yeah. Everett's like an hour ish North of SeaTac probably. Um, I have once it's a, it's it's a weird little experience, but frankly, for me, it's like I can I can get from where I live to SeaTac in two hours usually, um, or I'll stay with a friend in Seattle or something like that, yeah. or I'll or I'll do the Bellingham to SeaTac uh, little flight. It, there's just like no reason because it's just it's it's very peculiar, and you're never really getting like a good rate or anything that's going to justify. Yeah. Like I'd rather have my car in Seattle than like randomly in Everett because it's just like I don't know. I could I can get I can get back to Seattle from lots of places if my schedule changes, but getting to Everett's just like a nightmare. I've always thought about driving down to Orlando to like, you know what? Like I could fly direct to London or I could fly to direct to, you know, Scandinavia or something like if that makes sense for my itinerary. And I just can never bring myself to do it. And I'm like I'm happy to drive down there and do it on the front end. The last thing I want to do is have like a six or eight or nine hour flight back from somewhere. Clear customs in Orlando of all places with a bunch of <laughs> screaming children and then drive two hours home from there. You know, it's always tough. It, it I mean, I've chosen to live somewhere a little off the off the path. So, you know, that's on me. Got to got to own up to that decision. But I, I used to live in, in Missoula and that was it was I lived five minutes from the airport it was lovely yeah but missoula is a hard place to get to right like you're yeah. you, there's basically no directs unless you're going to like salt lake or minneapolis i like i love the fact like seattle is just you just get on you know unless you're going somewhere on the west coast that like you have like four hours to work or do whatever and it's just like i like i, I, yeah, I like it. long flights i'm like very much <laughs> like i do a, too yeah like, i mean i'm flying to like I'm, I'm going to Scotland tomorrow. I'm flying to Frankfurt first and then I'm flying back to Glasgow. Cause it's like, I would rather on the way over, I'd rather have the time to sleep. I'd rather have a nine hour flight than a six and a half or seven hour flight. I know I'm, I'm, I'm a guest here, but I have a, I have a, a question for you, yeah, which is I please. really want to know as, as a, like a, as a long time listener, like how did you get into, have you just like always been into planes? Have you always been in it? Cause yeah. you're like the airport thing is, is like, I find it really fascinating. All the discussions are like, I, they're also like funny to me. It's just a very enjoyable thing. But then you drop names of like of specific planes, and I'm like, whoa, this guy like like there's something there's something else here. There's some there's a deep body of research and information. And so I'm just like, how did you how did you get into that? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a I've just always been into like aviation ever since I was like a little kid. I remember okay. like my dad flew a lot for work. I remember like I, I had this like little kind of like one of those little metal, like, you know, model like 747s, like as a kid, like it was a toy. And I think I had a Pan Am one too. And then a couple of Delta ones. And like, I don't know. I always just liked those. And then yeah. I always liked going to the airport and like 
seeing which planes are there. And it's just, there's something like kind of exotic or romantic about it, I think. Um, and then, yeah. And then I think one of the reasons I really like it now is because it, it gives me a taste of my old career in hotels and revenue management, where I think there's a, there's such an interesting strategy element to it of routes and almost psychological, like consumer behavior of like how to get people to buy up into, you know, how to incentivize people. Like, I mean, if you're a, you know, if you're a Delta uh, diamond, right? Like really in order to use your global or regional upgrades, like you have to buy up into economy comfort or into premium economy. And then, and then you're going to be at the front of the line to get the upgrade. Otherwise you're fighting with a bunch of other people. So they're making you spend the extra five or 600 bucks to get the benefit that you're entitled to, you know, per their program. And, uh, but yeah, so it's just, I don't know, just like watching them play that game. Cause I've, you know, like being in hotels, like you're, you're playing the same game there. You're trying to get people to buy up into a suite or to, you know, club level or whatever, or a corner room, you know, all the upgrade paths with all the different credit cards and fine hotels and resorts. So I think there's, yeah, I mean, I think there's, it's just interesting. And I think part of it too is like, I've I've always been really big into geography. I've always loved maps. So it just kind of dovetails nicely there. I don't know. It's cool. Like I'm such a nerd about it though. Like I've never flown on a 747 before. So I thought about for tomorrow, I thought about flying. It was going to be a little bit extra money, but like the timing didn't work. But I, I thought about flying Lufthansa on like a code share United flight just so I could fly the 747 on the upper deck. But like, it's like a shittier first class. It's like a shittier business class because like they don't have direct aisle access for everybody. It's like two and two up top there. And on Lufthansa, they don't have a great life lap. But like, it's, um, but yeah, just like little, little weird shit like that. It's like, it's like a puzzle to me. Like I've got a flight from flying from the UK to LA in like a week and a half. And I spent like way too much time because it's fun for me, like looking at, all right, should I fly Air France through Paris, you know, direct from Paris to LA? Should I fly through London? Should I fly back to New York and then, you know, go to LA? Cause it's truly like, I even looked at flying from, from Glasgow to Frankfurt or Munich to Singapore to LA, just like, <laughs> just like, you know, as a totally dumb thing, but I'm like, you know, because Star Alliance does like those around the world tickets where like you can package everything together. You might as well like have fun with it and make the most of it if you travel a lot anyway. It's right? it's so easy given all the stuff we talked about, right? To think of like air travel as this experience that's like just kind of systematically stripping you of your your humanity in the process and sanity. But like there is ultimately like what you're describing like the possibility right like you're like on on the website and you're like i could be i could be freaking here right i could like i could my physical self is going to has the possibility of being in all these different locations and all these different ways to get there and like the logistics of it is is unbelievable like i was listening to you you and randy talk about your trip to australia the other day and like the the whole bags thing but it's like just you talking about like oh it could go on this flight could like that's where my brain kind of shuts down and I'm just like, we got to leave this to the experts. Cause it like hurts me to think about yeah. the fact that like that bag thing is happening 
with millions of people every day, every hour across all these different systems. And like, it's, it's kind of a miracle that like you end up with your shit at the end of the day. Right. It kind of gives you hope. Right. Cause there's, yeah, this stuff's so complex. And like when it, when it fails, it fails. Like as you've seen with Southwest or, you know, but like on the whole, like I think the, the airlines, like I think the endpoints are shitty, like the customer service elements and a lot of the subjective things, but like from an, from an objective basis, uh, you know, and like around the holidays and in the winter and during 4th of July and other, like there's, there's shitty, like there's shitty pain points, right? Like there's not a whole lot of resiliency built into the system right now. They need to work on that. And like, there needs to be some regulation to like make them beef that up and incentivize that. But I think overall, like shit works pretty well. Right. And it's, and it's crazy to see like the way that, the way that these systems interact too, right. Of like figuring out like, you know, I've got to go from Glasgow to London next week. And I'm like, all right, I have to hop on a British Airways flight. And it would be a lot easier for me to buy an American ticket from London to LA, which, you know, they're flying that route four or five times a day between them and BA. And it's like, but you know what? I'm not going to do that because that's where I draw the line. And so I will, I will get my bags off the carousel and then I will walk, I will take a bus or a train over to terminal three where United is or terminal two or terminal three at, at Heathrow. And I will recheck in to my flight and then walk to the lounge there and, and hop on the United flight. And it's another hour out of my day, but like I do have certain standards and there's certain systems that I won't go into. Cause like, it would be a hell of a lot easier for me. Yeah. Going, going to the UK a lot to fly BA or American over there. And then, you know, you can get anywhere and they, they're tied in with Logan air, which flies all the little short hop routes all over Scotland, but I'm just not going to do that. In a perfect world, I, f- I wish feats of strength or feats of brand loyalty like that would be rewarded. You know, like I wish I wish there's somebody I, somebody monitoring this like <laughs> this podcast and or just your transactions and just being like, all right, we got to kick him a couple miles. Got to give him like you know, kick that him was- some extra some ex- extra upgrades for for that t- pulling your luggage off the carousel and physically like enduring what you're about to do. That was the crazy thing loyalty. about the about the Australia like or the the. Auckland luggage thing. So I logged on to the United site the other day to fill out like the case, you know, to get, I had like 600 bucks worth of clothes that I had to buy because I didn't have anything to wear. And I'm at like one of the nicest golf clubs in the world and I don't have anything. Right. And you're like pretty far from a shopping mall or from civilization. So I'm just buying everything out of the pro shop. I'm trying to submit everything. I filled out this form like six different times. And it would tell me it's saving and then it would put me to the last page and it would wipe everything clear. And so I called the, I called the premier line like three times. They finally like emailed me a form that I then had to fax to this number. And I was so beaten down by it where I'm like, you know what? All these airlines do suck. Like loyalty doesn't mean anything. I'm, I'm the mark. I'm an idiot. I'm gonna have to apologize to everybody here. They and- broke you. And within 36 hours, I got the refund after they told me it was going to take like four to six weeks. And I'm like, you know what? All right. Like I'm back in. (laughs) (laughs) Just when you were out, man. Oh, I see. That's, that's the thing. I get screwed by life so frequently because like the steps you described, I'm just like, whatever. Like I'm I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to participate. Yeah. The second you, the second someone utters the word facts, I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I didn't need that six hundred dollars. I guess that's on me for you know. Like, I will. I fold like a chair, yeah. man. It's just bad. It's bad. 
I hate mailing stuff. I hate faxing stuff. I hate scanning stuff. Um, I hate going to like the UPS store. It's just, it's like such an imposition. Um, we, we, we bought a printer during COVID because of all the like, you know, you're like shopping, yeah. returning kind of like stuff. And it's been the wor- worst experience of my, my adult life. <laughs> you, were, you wrote something about the, I wrote, about I wrote the a printer, thing about right? Oh yeah. yeah. If I can just say like, I won't go into it deeply, but basically if you can stay, you have to stay away from HP. It's a, it's like an actual extortion scheme. They have this instant ink program where if you basically you're renting your cartridges at all times and they monitor your ink levels and, and like tell you how much do they auto send you ink? Yes. But like they screw, like I talked to dozens of people about this. There's, you know, there's like factions of us, uh, and it, like, it's horrible, man. Like they sometimes won't send you the ink when you need. Sometimes they'll send you way too much ink. Like I talked to this one guy in Rochester. <laughs> he has a garage just full of ink cartridges. It's like, and meanwhile, they're like talking about their environmental oh. efforts and they're just sending people like toxic ink in plastic, like, you know, containers, oh. single use shipping stuff. It's, it's, it's awful, man. It's just like, and you don't own your printer, right? At the end of the day, you just like there's they I you mean like your printer is basically worthless because unless you have the ink i stopped paying because my the way this all started was like my credit card expired and i needed to like change it on like the hp instant ink plan and the second the next month came and they couldn't like the charge rebounded they bricked my printer hp just made my printer just not work and I like had to print something for work that was like, I just started a new job with the Atlantic and they were like, yeah, we need this form so that you can get, you know, like confirmed and paid yeah. all this stuff. And I'm like on the phone with HP because they remotely disabled. It's like freaking, it's like ransomware. It's, it's, oh. it's, it's gotta stop. Like I just, it's a public so couldn't you just go me. buy an HP printer there or any sort of printer and just still go buy the ink cartridges and just stock up on a few ink cartridges? You can. You definitely can. The whole product, like the whole decision tree of when you're buying it, it just like, because, you know, unless you go to like a Best Buy or something, but like I bought it online, it just yeah. kind of directs you down this thing and it never fully tells you what it is. Yeah. Like, obviously there's some like, you know, there's some user error on this for not reading the fine print, but also like, it just doesn't compute to me in my life that like if I purchase a huge piece of like physical machinery that it can like be disabled if I've paid for the ink cartridges like they're sitting in my printer I have paid money for them it's like I don't I it's just I mean it's, it, it's kind of like the the really advanced version of like razors of razor blades and razors yeah you know? I mean it's essentially if your razor was like digital you yeah. Know, and it's and like, if, you know, like, like you're on a plan with whatever, but like, you know, somebody, I'm just shocked that nobody's been able to break the, cause like, I, I actually bought a printer, uh, end of last year finally. And like, I always forget I have it. I'm like, Oh shit. Like I forgot I can print something out. This is sick. You know, <laughs> just like this, like we're simple know, people. HP, yeah. But I'm like, Oh my God, this is cool. I can write on this piece of paper and like make notes directly on here instead of having everything be on my screen. Um, oh man i print stuff off i now have a brother laser printer because that it's just (laughs) it's it's clean it's simple and i'm not uh i'm not funding those like emotional terrorists terrorists, yeah Yeah. uh 
but like I'll print stuff out like online articles sometimes like a long piece or something. And it will literally feel like I've like invented fire or something. I'm like, this is amazing. It like, feels like this premium as hell. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, and then you, you come to and you're like, Jesus Christ, just, just yeah. such a simple human being. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm very much, uh, the printing, like, like I had an existential crisis when I bought the printer. I think I went to Costco. I was like, well, fuck, how do I get the ink for this thing? Am I going to have to go to what happens when this thing runs out of ink? I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm sure they sell the ink at Staples or Office Depot around the corner. Like, but it's just, there's just way too much anxiety and and decision anxiety and and you know, based on something as minor as buying a printer. Yeah, the, our phones have ruined us, man. The convenience has ruined us. The uh, the other one I wanted. So just another one to shout out. Did you see the Scott Van Pelt stuff with Air France? So I didn't. You put this in the little notes that I got right before. Yeah. So I was I was unaware. I guess Van Pelt's house burned down when he was at the Masters. And oh God. Yeah. He was like, like not on your guys' show. I know. Like not good at all. Like I feel terrible for him and his family. I guess everybody's safe and that's what's important. But he was going to, I think, France for some sort of vacation this summer. And now he's like, Hey, we you know, we can't go. We gotta do stuff with the house and all that. So he calls Air France to, uh, you know, cancel. And they're like, well, like you need some sort of doctor's note saying that someone was hurt in the house fire before we cancel, you know, before, and I'm sure, I'm sure he bought like business class seats and nice seats and all that. And of course he's a classy guy. Yeah. And it's like, you know, at some point, all right. So then he's like, well, like, no, no, like my fucking house burned down. Like, no, <laughs> nobody died, but like, I, you know, all of my possessions are gone. And like, I, I, like, I would think that would constitute extenuating circumstances here, right? So he, he like wears them down. They finally, I think they give him like a credit on Air France. And he's like, no, like, I don't want the credit. Like, I don't ever want to fly you guys ever again. And, uh, which that's tough because that's a, you know, that's a Delta Sky Team Alliance partner and like a joint venture partner too. You know, so yeah. It's, so so naturally, I canceled my my Air France flight and switched over to United instead of flying Paris to LA. I'm flying London to LA. Out of solidarity with big Scott. Of you. It's really big of you. Yeah, yeah. So, I I have found one of the true joys of the way that air travel changed since 2020 is the relaxation on cancellations and extenuating oh, circumstances. Wonderful. It's yeah. It's such a wonderful, like, like, I was supposed to see my family. They were down in Florida, and I just got, like, really a really horrible cold bronchitis thing. Like, day of, basically. Mm. And just, I knew it was going to be fine. I was just going to call a line, cancel, full refund. Just like, yeah, yeah we know. We'll, we'll get you We'll get you another time. Like, you're going to visit that. You're going to go on another trip sometime, right? Yeah. And it's just like that opening that up. So that's why it's super surprising that they're just being huge dicks to it. Right. Like also you know, just don't do that to it. Like I, maybe they don't, they don't recognize the name or anything, but they should have like a little internal system. That's like, yeah. this guy's on television. Like the, just, he's like very beloved slide, man. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just yeah. let it slide. Oh, that's, that's crazy. That's that's um, where, so on that note, You've written some stuff on on AI, which is completely terrifying. Like you, you, and then you, you, you had kind of the vindication piece for the guy that started Ask Jeeves, 
which I thought was was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote about the Pope coat, the the white Pope coat, which unfortunately was Balenciaga Pope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goofy but Pope. I mean, do you think at some point there's a application for AI in those CRM systems to where it can pick up on, you know, it's triangulating all around the internet for that stuff. Here's my thing on, on AI, which is that I don't know how much like the technology that we're seeing now, like the chat GPT stuff, right. Or the, the generative art stuff is super fascinating. It's super, like it is powerful in whatever ways, even if the use cases sound stupid now. But it's also like there's just so much now with all technology, mostly like social media driven, but also just like it's a form of marketing, but like the hype, right? Like we saw with like like the crypto stuff was just out of control with that. And we just like every part of the marketing model of these new technologies is to get out over your skis in whatever way. And a lot of times that's also like doomerism now, right? Like it's fundamentally in AI companies, OpenAI, Google, Microsoft, like it's in their best interest for us all to like be afraid of it, right? Because it's like, it's so powerful. And obviously like we need the, the companies with good leaders and and like who have the resources and whatever to be the stewards of it and not let like, you know, scrappy newcomers come in. Yeah. And so, so there's, there's all that, like, it's hard to tell what's going to go on with the stuff like chat GPT or GPT four or whatever, like the large language model, like, you know, kind of creating like, like spicy autocomplete essentially that shit is going to my my feeling for it is that the future is going to be like extremely corporatized and boring compared to what we think, right? It's not going to be like, no one knows what's real. No one knows as much as it's going to be like OpenAI and Bain have a partnership with like, the, you know, Coca-Cola and Salesforce to like integrate this into their systems. And it's going to be like very like, you know, monitoring stuff, helping to draw conclusions from large pools of data and spit it out in a way that's going to sound like a junior associate would, right? So I I think, I mean, I think something, I think there's going to be like subtle assistance style power in like truly every single piece of technology, right? Like including this, like this software that we're running in order to do this podcast in like, eight months could have a thing in it where you can like put on like an adult family filter. And if I say like, fuck, like the software will scan for it and beep it out. Right. And so like, you don't have to go through and edit that, like just little stuff like that. That is, that is like simple that I don't think actually like steals everyone's jobs necessarily. I mean, obviously if you're like a, if you're like a telemarketer, you know, in Binghamton, New York, you know, just answering for a hundred different services or dialing for dollars, like you might, you know, feel a little bit worried about what you're up to. But like, I just think it's just gonna, it's gonna turn human beings into managers of like middle managers of like AI systems. Yeah. Like almost like caretakers of, or, you know, farmers of like, Hey, this is your crop and you have to make sure that all this stuff is running properly and synced up and talking you know, talking to each other and all that. Yeah. Stuff. I mean, s- someone was talking to them who they're like a, like a, they're, pr- they're a professor at Wharton and 
they teach like an entrepreneur class or something like that. And I was asking them to describe like, you know, are your students just cheating all the time? On, you know, like, how are you trying to integrate these tools into like education? And like first he tried all these different experiments to basically like get, like get the kids to get chat GPT to write like a convincing essay about a topic, because mm -hmm. like in order to write that essay, you have to like know about the topic. Like you have to like, sort of manipulate the machine. And like, so like that's a form of it, but also it's just like think a good way to think of these tools is as like a really ambitious junior, either associate or whatever, right? Like, and you're sort of the, you're the manager and it's like, okay, I can give you a task and you're going to do it very eagerly and like, it's like a paralegal. Yeah. yeah. But you might not have the expertise to understand when you screwed up or when you didn't. And so like, you have to review that stuff and try to like figure and it I out. I guess the optimistic case is that it's going to actually free up more time to dig in on the philosophy of things. And the, I also think that's bullshit too, though. That's like the classic promise of yeah. technology like uh I, people are just fucking lazy and like <laughs> i wrote a book with my partner on like the future of work a couple of years ago and like if you scroll through like the history scroll through if you read the history of all this stuff like it's basically just people creating new little technologies it's like we're gonna have so much time to you yeah. know like like do, do the things we actually want to do yeah. and it's like all it does basically is like free up you know, more time for you to be like pressed into doing work. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty pessimistic on that, but I also think that like you, everyone's just so in over their heads on the hype stuff around this. And it's like, we all just need to like take a minute. It could be as like foundational of like, as like the internet, right? Like the internet is just, a, is like a node that plugs into everything mm -hmm. and gives you that kind of connectivity. This could be like a node that automates everything, but we just can't talk about it. Like, like it, there's just so much going on in the world for us to be like, these things are going to become sentient and kill us all. It's like, you just <laughs> like go live your life, man. Are, are you a, uh, reading wise, are you a, like a physical book person or do you have a Kindle or what do you read off of? I I have a Kindle for for work and also just because like a lot of time in in what I do I will see something that is in, like interesting to me and I want to like extract a little piece of like a book, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll want to do that sort of as fast as possible. So I'll just download it on the Kindle, you can highlight, save all the highlights, do all that, but like the pro it's hard for me to like stay engaged with stuff on there. Like I really want like, if I'm reading for pleasure, I want to be reading a physical book. I've never had a Kindle. I, yeah, I, I, I want like a physical book or a physical magazine. I just, I don't know. I like the, it's like also amazing something physical to look at. It's amazing too, to just like, like, like you've got a bookshelf behind you. Like, it's just nice to at the end of it, like, put it up there and then it's there. Or like, if you don't like there's people put too much pressure on themselves to like read and finish books and stuff. But like, yeah. if you, if you have the physical one, you might like just see it lying around one day and just like want to open it or need to reference it. It's just like books are weirdly like everyone's been talking about books dying or like, you know, like physical books, just kind of not being a thing for the longest time. And they just endure because like, there's just something enjoyable about it. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I got a couple monitoring things real quick just to just to keep us keep us up to date. It's been a while since since Randy and I have, have kind of monitored anything. He's <laughs> he's uh, he, he's been out of band in the last last few days, and uh, he'll be back. His kings are killing people right now. Uh, it's crazy. Light They're just beam. yeah dominating the Warriors. I did see there was a passenger ferry that uh, ran aground out near you on Bainbridge Island. I, I know that's pretty far south. That's, of you, no, that's tough. That's a yeah. that's like a well used. That's a big, yeah, it's a big ferry. Um, we're we, well. I'll, you know what? I'll, I can take that upon myself. I can, I'll take that duty off of your that burden off your shoulders. I'll I'll monitor that if if you should you need that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I saw Google is cutting down on uh, employee laptops, services, uh, you know, yoga, staplers. Uh, they're they're not they're not providing staplers at every copy machine now. Um, very concerning. I brought that to Neil's attention. He said he's 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 monitoring that. This is there. There's a there's a real the tech layoff thing has caused just a very big scandal. I think you guys talked like alluded to it a bit ago like what like what are these companies doing or what were they doing with like hiring yeah that they can afford to like, <laughs> continually cut like 10 percent of their workforce every two months and still just be totally fine i saw an article recently about like the sort of mid 2010s like glut of like low interest rate like you know hubris and vc money and stuff and they were just there was these companies like facebook and google were just going on sprees hiring engineers for projects didn't exist just to hoard them from the talent pool. So they're just paying them to sit on the sidelines. So like, you know, if you're going to do that, like come what may there, you know? Yeah. Did you see the, the dad that, that, that accidentally put a Guinness in his kid's lunchbox because <laughs> he thought it was a liquid death. He had liquid death and Guinness right next to each other on the shelf in the fridge. And he put the liquid or he, he put the Guinness in there. Uh, <sighs> Did the, was it consumed? Or was it, was it just like a? I think he got a he got a call from the kids' school, and they're like, "Hey, what the hell are you doing?" Uh, FBI and special forces raided the wrong hotel room during a training exercise and detained the guest inside. I guess the guest was a, a Delta employee. Uh, this was in downtown Boston. They were, it was just like a training exercise, but they just got the wrong hotel room number from the desk or whatever. Oh, have you been tracking this this um, this Indonesian like the 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 pilot from New Zealand whose plane got like he was taken hostage. He was dropping off some people on this island and they wouldn't let the plane take off. And they've had this guy hostage. And now the Indonesian army tried to tried to rescue him. And I think they lost like 25 or 26 guys. Isn't like this, this the exact plot of a recent Gerard Butler movie? It's like, crazy, oh right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, you guys brought something up on our on a recent one about um, a plane that got like some, some people were like shooting into it with like some kind of heist. Yeah, that was in uh, Santiago, Chile. There, there's some wild stuff going on that there's, just there's, flies there's totally the under the radar. Sh- there's the shit going down in Sudan right now. Yes, uh, that's not good. You know, not good at all. I feel like the, you know, like there's probably no good guys on either side there, and and fighting broke out at the airport you know bad shit there um yeah there's all sorts of you know kind of weird weird stuff flying under the radar piracy's back uh on the west coast of africa 
I think it like pretty much, I think they just started sailing so far off the coast and had, you know, had enough going on to where like with some of those regional navies and now like, but, and it was always kind of on the East coast of Africa. Mm, like yeah, yeah. now this is like on the West coast. So I haven't gotten an update on it in, in a while, but, um, but yeah, it's, that's, that's back. Um, I've been tracking the hell out of the snowpack out in the Sierra. Uh, yep. it could be, it could be, it, it could be wild a, melt. a tough scene this spring, early summer, uh, in the, in the Modesto Fresno central Valley area. The, uh, I mean, just like the, the snow that like Tahoe got. Yeah. Like, I mean, just unbelievable stuff. Like people just like, I, I know one guy I follow out there on Instagram, his, he's been living in a, in a dark room for like months because he lives in a, like a one story <laughs> cabin and the snow is just up over his windows. And he's just like for months, just never doesn't see the sun unless he goes outside. It's just like, it's yeah. madness. They're going to get absolutely ruined up there. People's roofs, you know, caving in and, and yeah, like there's, there's lakes from that they drained off back in like the, you know, 1800s that are like resurfacing now um, already because of, because of the melt off and it really hasn't even started melting yet. So that's like that, that whole Sacramento river Delta is, is a whole house of cards. It's like that dam in uh, Iraq. That's like the, the one up north of Baghdad. It's the same thing. It's like a, it's mm-hmm. a ticking time bomb. People, people don't realize out West that there is, there's just a, like, there's just a lot. You got to have your head on a swivel about when you get out there. I mean, like, and, and summer's just like, I, I had not experienced wildfires and things like that until I moved out there in 2017. And it's like, you just, you really, you gotta, you gotta be, uh, you gotta, yeah, you gotta have your head on a swivel when you're, when you're living there. It's, it's much more wild than the Midwest or the East coast in, in all, all aspects of life. Totally. Um, 18,000 cattle were killed in a fire at a dairy farm in Texas. A buddy of mine called it a bovine Holocaust, um, <laughs> which, you know, is a thick plume of smoke mushroomed over the plains. Uh, not good there. Um, oh, crap. There was a plastics factory actually on fire down here, north of us here in Brunswick, Georgia. Um, let's see here. What else? Yeah, it was a it was a Singaporean oil tanker missing after pirates boarded it off the coast of Africa. Um, and then, uh, did you see the male chess player that disguised himself as a woman and cheated his way through the championship tournament? It's like it's it's a bit like there like the innovation right now in chess is trying to find the best way to cheat. You know, like you like there's a one upsmanship in it's kind of like uh you know like late nineties baseball. I'm wondering if we should have if if there should be a a segmenting in in some of these like like kind of low stakes sports like with like the the bass fishing or with or with chess, if there should be like an XFL style thing, just like a, a bit of a no holds barred, like bad boys of chess kind of thing. You know, that's what Liv going. needs to do with golf. Like they just need to lean completely into like, you know what? No rules, all bets are off, get the ball in the hole, settle scores in your own time, you know, that oh, sort of thing. Yeah. A little bit of cheating. Like yeah. I, I anyway, I, I think I think lean into it. If you're chess, like why not? Totally. Right? Lean into it's it. it's infiltrated. Like there's been some corruption in Irish dancing here lately. I know there's been some some 
controversy there as well. Frankly, Um, it needs it, I think. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, that's, that's about it on the, on, on the monitoring front right now. I think, uh, you know, the other thing, people just keep tagging me in on, on there was an, a guy freaking out on American today. Like, just like people tagging you in with tipping stuff, people tag me in whenever it, there's any sort of bad airline incident, whether it's United or American or, or you know, whomever. Um, but people keep tagging me in right now on, there's this dog food truck in Hoboken, New Jersey. And people are, people keep tagging me in on that. And I'm like, yeah, Randy's going to be furious when he gets back from vacation. And this is what greets him. What a, yeah, truly what a, like, what a great way to just take all the rest and relaxation he's having and just, just strip it away at the, at the outset. Yeah. You should be waiting for him at the gate at the airport, (laughs) just with a, with a printed out version of that article. Um, a full, a full dossier of everything. (laughs) A manila folder, uh, of, of dog food truck. I, I'm not for it. I, I, no one probably cares what I think, but I'm not for it. I don't like it one bit huge i'm huge about uh dogs i have two lovely dogs they they're basically my kids um i would never take them to a dog food truck so that's like me i have two 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 lovely dogs two lovely kids i think parents are often in the wrong with the kids stuff and i think dogs shouldn't be allowed in a lot of areas of our society you know what i mean it's like know your boundaries and you know don't foist your life upon everybody else I think the big thing is the dogs don't want to be there either. You know, oh. like, like the dogs don't want that. They just want, like, they, they kind of just want to like eat and sniff garbage and, you know, yeah. be pet and hang out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that sleep. Not that's be, it. That's all not want. be some fake service animal or, you know, emotional right. support animal. So think about the, what the dogs want. That's, you know, exactly. Well, good stuff. That's, that was a pretty, pretty robust episode. I think we can, we can, uh, we can work with that until Randy and I are back. Uh, we've got Neil and KV, or sorry, Neil and Cody are in the booth next week, and then we've got uh, our first uh, episode of our NFL Owners podcast rolling. And then I think we're gonna come back do some post NFL draft stuff with Poosh and KVV, and then Randy and I will probably be chopping it up after that. That takes us through mid May. So, Charlie, I appreciate the time, man, and this was this was a pleasure. Happy to happy to come and and uh, fill in anytime anytime you need it. I, I will say I'm exhausted from the monitoring. I don't know how you do it on a daily, weekly basis. It's a it's like a, it's a heavy burden to carry. But um, yeah, I just I appreciate being a part of it, man. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke.